Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Monday, June 6th, anniversary of the 1944 D-Day invasion during World War II. Of course, we'll have all the usual pious celebrations of this wonderful event which was the beginning of the end of the Nazi regime. That's the good news. The bad news was 46 years of slavery for half of Europe under the Soviets, whom the Nazis were fighting. I happen to hold the opinion it would have been better to let the Nazis and communists fight to the last man, but you won't hear much of that opinion on the news today. But I want to talk about something that has a much bigger effect on all of our lives uh, here in the United States, and that is what the Federal Reserve is supposed to begin doing as of right now, which is what they call quantitative tightening, which is the opposite of quantitative easing. And these are all just fancy-schmancy terms for basically counterfeiting and reverse counterfeiting. So when the Fed is quantitative easing, it is creating money out of thin air and using that money to purchase securities off the market. In the old days before the 2008 financial crisis, you'll remember all they ever bought were government bonds. And then since all these banks, drunk with previous funny money created by the Fed, had gambled on something called mortgage-backed securities, well, the Fed came in and bailed all those investment banks out by purchasing mortgage-backed securities off the market. And every time, of course, it purchased a mortgage-backed security, it was putting new money into the economy. And during the COVID crisis, not only did the Fed buy treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities, but hey, let's buy municipal bonds. Let's buy corporate bonds. Now the Fed is throwing funny money right into the corporate bond market. So its balance sheet, which was $800 billion in early 2008, grew to over $4 trillion by the end of that first round of quantitative easing. 
And then they said they were going to bring it back to normal. And they got basically from 4.4 or so trillion down to 3.7 trillion. So nowhere near the under 1 trillion where they started. And then the stock market started to crash. And they were up back above uh, 4 trillion early on in 2019. So since that time in 2019, where the Fed's balance sheet stood at just a little over $4 trillion, it's now at $8.9 trillion. So that means that the Fed created yet another almost $5 trillion in new money that it sent out into the economy. And of course, this doesn't mean that it was only uh, doubling the money supply, because you have to remember that every time a bank receives $1,000, it used to loan out 900 Well, now it loans out the whole 1000 because of all those uh, deposits that they have at the Federal Reserve Bank they never had before after the first round of quantitative easing. So they basically loan out every dollar that they get. So when you look at the M1 money supply, which stood at $4 trillion in early 2020, it is now at $20 trillion. Just to give you an idea of the impact of the tidal wave of money that has been created. If you've read my book, It's the Fed Stupid, then this is all old news to you. But just kind of to set the table as to what's supposed to happen this month, I wanted to review a few of those facts. And just one more technical point, back before 2008, the way the Fed would raise interest rates much more directly affected the money supply than the way it raises them now. So because the Fed flooded banks with money back in 2008 and they built up these large deposits that they never had before at the Fed, the Fed changed the way that they raise the federal funds rate, which is the, the rate that banks charge to lend each other money overnight. So in the old days, the way they would raise the federal funds rate would be they would just sell their banks securities, which the banks were obliged to buy. And therefore, the Fed is bringing cash in out of general circulation, destroying money, if you will, having previously created it. And because it's reducing the overall supply of money available to those banks, well, then the price of money goes up. The interest rate would go up. Since 2008, that's no longer the way the Fed raises interest rates. The way they do it now is, since these member banks all have these large deposits, the Fed has started to pay interest to those banks on that deposit. And let's just say the Fed at the moment is paying 0.25% interest. Well, if it wants to raise the rate that banks are charging each other, let's say it would raise the rate it pays the banks to 0.5%. Well, what does that mean? That means that the banks are going to charge something more to each other than they could get if they just held that money at the Federal Reserve. So they might then charge each other 0.75%. So that's the way the Fed has been raising rates for the last 10, 12 years. And you can see that it doesn't have as direct an effect on the general supply of money as it used to when they were actually just sucking that money right out. Well, what are they going to start doing this month? 
they're going to really start sucking that money right out. Now, we've got to put this in perspective, and I'll give you the numbers. What they're going to be taking away is a tiny fraction of the money that they've created just in the last two years. But you have to remember that everything's priced for the amount of money in circulation now. So as they start taking dollars out of circulation, then everything priced in dollars, all other things being equal, and of course everything is never equal, but all other things being equal, everything priced in dollars should come down in price because now there's less dollars out there. So you should have to give more if, if you look at it the other way around, that if you're trying to buy dollars, you're going to have to give up more goods. So that just means that a dollar would buy you more than it would when there's more money in circulation. So just as a kind of reference point, right now, the M1 calculation for the money supply is $20.6 trillion. The M2 is just under $22 trillion, so they're pretty close. And here's what the Fed says they're going to do starting this month. And this is per their press release on May 4th, entitled Plans for Reducing the Size of the Federal Reserve's Balance Sheet. It says the committee intends to reduce the Federal Reserve's securities holdings over time in a predictable manner, primarily by adjusting the amounts reinvested of principal payments received from securities held in the system's Open Market Account, SOMA, S-O-M-A. Beginning on June 1st, principal payments from securities held in the SOMA will be reinvested to the extent that they exceed monthly caps. For Treasury securities, the cap will initially be set at $30 billion per month, and after three months will increase to $60 billion per month. The decline in holdings of Treasury securities under this monthly cap will include Treasury coupon securities and to the extent that coupon maturities are less than the monthly cap, Treasury bills. For agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities, the cap will initially be set at $17.5 billion per month and after three months will increase to $35 billion per month. So what's the translation there? The translation is that all these things that the Fed holds on their balance sheet realize money coming in. So if they're holding treasury bonds, then they get their quarterly payments off the government paper. And same with mortgage-backed securities. There's always money coming in. And what they've done in the past is, they say, reinvest. So they're going to slow down the reinvestment so that these securities, mortgage-backed and government bonds, roll off their balance sheet so that they're no longer there. But by doing that, they're really drawing money out of the economy. And what's the pace at which they're going to be doing that starting this month? Well, this month, it will be that $30 billion in government bonds and $17 billion in mortgage-backed securities. Okay, so $47.5 billion per month to start for the first three months. So what's the math on that? Something like $142 billion or so for those first three months. Not very much off of $20 trillion. Remember, trillion is $1,000 billion. So we've got $20,000 or so billion dollars in circulation. They're going to pull out $142. But then starting in September 
according to this statement, if they stick to their guns, they're going to up that to what would be the equivalent of $95 billion per month. Okay, so still not a lot in any given month, but over time, if you're taking out almost $100 billion per month, you're going to subtract about a trillion dollars over a year, more than a trillion, one, almost 1 1.2 at $95 billion per month. So again, it, it might not sound like a lot seeing that we only had $4 trillion in circulation just two years ago, and now we have 20 but remember that there's enormous demand for dollars out there in the world. And whatever other conditions occur, right now, as everything stands, everything is priced per that $20 trillion in circulation. So any reduction of that on the margins is going to have some effect, other things being equal, on a repricing. And just to show you what a perverse effect the Federal Reserve has on the economy. If you notice Friday, all the stock markets were down. Well, why were they down? They were down because the news was too good. <laughs> so the unemployment rate fell again. The number of new people applying for unemployment dropped and more jobs were created according to the spurious jobs report that I've talked about several times in the past than was expected. So this is all good news, right? Oh, the economy's doing better. So the stock market goes down because that tells investors that the Federal Reserve will not feel like it has to back off of its rate increase, interest rate increases and this plan to start taking money out of the money supply. And when you think about it, that's just ridiculous that we live in a world like that where good economic news would translate to lower stock market prices. But of course, if you agree with the worldview of the Austrian economists and a lot more than the Austrian economists right now, everything is so tremendously overvalued and it's based on this expectation that the money supply is going to keep growing. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible hand. Something no politician understands. Just leave it up to supply and demand. 
So first, let's just talk about what the Federal Reserve thinks it's going to do. What they want to do is destroy demand with a decrease in the money supply. And remember, these are Keynesians to the core. They believe that all economic outcomes are based on the amount of demand. They don't consider supply. They think savings is a bad thing because people aren't spending money, that demand is going down. And they believe in this metric called the Phillips curve, which says there is an inverse relationship between unemployment and inflation. So the lower unemployment goes, the more people who are employed, they just see that as creating more demand, and that's what bids up prices. And therefore, they actually want more people unemployed because that will kill demand and that will bring down prices. So when too many people are employed, when the unemployment rate is too low, that's when they talked about this cockamamie idea about the economy overheating. Because it turns out that when there are too many people are employed, not enough people are unemployed, I don't know, aren't we creating more goods and services that would offset this demand? Well, not according to the Keynesian outlook. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but in one sense, there's a way that you could look at that to say that it's true. And that's in the sense that previous monetary inflation by the Fed has caused malinvestment. So what's malinvestment? That's when business owners are misled by these artificially low interest rates to either expand beyond what there's uh, real savings to support or even to invest in cockamamie ideas that really can never make a profit. And to the extent that people are employed in either of these types of endeavors, well, you know, of course, that does need to be cleared out. Now, we don't want those people unemployed, and we don't want a higher percentage of all available workers unemployed, but we certainly don't want them employed in ventures that are ultimately unprofitable. And that's what the previous monetary inflation has led business owners to do, is to expand or start new businesses that ultimately will not be profitable. Now, this is the part that the Federal Reserve never acknowledges. They believe that it's only the free market that creates the problems and it's their interventions that provide the solutions. So when Jay Powell is saying that he's going to remove money from the economy, he is implicitly acknowledging that it, you know, it shouldn't be created in the first place. But he doesn't explicitly acknowledge that. You'll always hear him laying off inflation on some other external cause and that these monetary interventions are uh, the Federal Reserve's way of correcting or saving capitalism or whatever bromide you want to accept. But the truth is, is that the artificial bubbles are created by the Fed. So this is familiar ground, I know, for a lot of my listeners, but I keep getting new ones. So I want to at least remind people of our outlook versus the Feds and Jay Powell's. And our outlook is that since we've just gone through the most egregious inflation in world history, and by inflation, I mean increase in the supply of money and credit, which has resulted in at least the worst inflation in prices 
in the past century or so, remember that if you measured the inflation today with the same metrics that you used back in the 1970s, well, inflation today is higher. And you can go and look at that data on John Williams' shadow stats. I'll post a link to that. Conversely, if you use today's metrics to go back and look at the uh, 1970s, early 1980s inflation, then it would be a lot lower than the numbers that they throw around. So it's very dishonest when they say this is the worst since uh, the 1970s stagflation. What we're experiencing now is worse than that. Whether you want to use today's metrics and lower those double-digit inflation numbers down to the high 7% range where they would be with today's statistics or vice versa, use the old metrics where uh, the inflation today would be higher than the numbers posted in the 70s. But we're experiencing the worst price inflation in modern American history right now. It's worse than the 70s. And this is not surprising following the most egregious inflation of the money supply in United States history. So getting back to unemployment and what we should expect when the Fed starts to pull money out of the economy, well, we're going to find out how much malinvestment is out there. We're going to find out which companies are really viable and are profitable and don't have to have infusions of new money into the market in order to survive. So whenever a bubble bursts, we find out what the mistakes were. All the companies that go bankrupt and have to have massive layoffs, even good companies that don't go bankrupt but have to lay off a lot of employees and kind of shrink back the expansion that they did that was ill-advised and because of misleading price signals insofar as interest rates are concerned, those are the mistakes that occur because of monetary inflation. And I've been hearing a lot of different analysts throwing out the number of 15%, meaning 15% of all companies out there are what they're calling zombie companies, companies that cannot exist in an environment where there isn't constant infusions of new money from the Federal Reserve. So that's pretty scary because you're talking about tens of millions of people perhaps losing their jobs. And when that happens, of course, and when we have these massive corrections, which are the inevitable result of the previous inflation, then everybody blames the free market. And uh, you get all the cries to end capitalism. If you remember after the 2008 financial crisis, we had Occupy Wall Street. Well, let me tell you something, folks, and this is in my book as well. You're on the wrong street. You should be over at the Eccles Building in Washington, D.C. That's what you want to end, is end the Fed that causes all these disruptions. So there's a lot of speculation out there, and I'm going to have Tom Luongo on the show later in the week to update us on his theory of what's going on with the Federal Reserve His specialty is to analyze geopolitical events and how they affect capital markets. So it's always interesting to have him on. And he has a theory that Jay Powell is going to keep on raising rates and pulling money out of the money supply even after the markets start to blow up. Now, remember, he didn't do that in 2019. He had started to do so in 2018 and he reduced the Fed's balance sheet, as I said before, by $700 billion. 
and then the combination of the markets crashing and Donald Trump yelling at him, and he caved like a cheap suit and turned right around and started inflating again, even before COVID-19, because the balance sheet of the Fed, which had gotten up to $4.4 trillion, went down to $3.7. It was back over $4 trillion before the COVID-19 pandemic, and then, of course, that's when they took it to almost $9 trillion. So it stands at $8.9 trillion today. And if Jay Powell does what he says he's going to do, it's going to be at $7.9 trillion, which is an 11% decrease in the Fed's balance sheet. And there's going to be a corresponding decrease in the money supply, not suggesting it's a one-to-one relationship, but you're going to have a significant decrease in the money supply that corresponds with the Fed decreasing its balance sheet. Now, long before he gets to that point or before he gets to having interest rates anywhere near what we used to consider normal, remember that before the 2008 financial crisis, interest rates peaked somewhere around 6%. Now, the last time they started raising during the the presidency of Donald Trump, I think they got to 2.25 or 2.5 before they turned around and went back to zero. So we'll see whether he sticks it out. Most people that I interview and most people I listen to, including Carol Roth, when she was on the show a few episodes back, are in what she called the chicken camp, that the first signs of real trouble, and we haven't had real trouble yet with the stock markets, they're down in correction territory. They didn't make it to the 20% bear market range yet, but she and most others think that he's just going to fold up at the first signs of real trouble. Again, Tom Luongo's got a different theory. It's very interesting. We'll talk to him later in the week, but there is no doubt that if Powell does stay on course and continues to pull money out of the money supply and raise interest rates, this is going to have an enormous deflationary effect on the stock markets, which are priced for maximum money supply and keep on pumping, and also on the real economy, unfortunately, because it's going to expose all those businesses that can't survive without these infusions of new money all the time. But that is what it's going to take in order to stop the price inflation that we're seeing and get it back down to what the Fed considers acceptable. And without going down too many tangents, don't forget, when we had 2% inflation, that's still ripping you off, all right? The the economy keeps becoming more productive. Prices should be going down. Manufacturing output always goes up, but manufacturing jobs decrease. That's the normal way that an economy functions, that as you become more efficient and can produce more per worker, that prices should come down, not go up by 2%. So even that whole period where the Fed was out there saying, oh, inflation's too low, just realize you're being ripped off by that. And that's money being sent straight up to the investor class, which you pay for in higher prices. And the fact that being more productive didn't produce lower prices is just as much a ripoff as right now, of course, prices galloping out of control. And I guess the last word I'll say is that what makes this moment in time 
different than any other point during this century, or in most people's lives at this point, is that we do see that price inflation higher than the supposedly magical 2% benchmark. So we don't have the option now of the Fed just bailing everybody out and it doesn't have a cost. The cost is higher prices. And that's why Jay Powell is at least saying he's going to stick to his guns and hold the line. So he's got a choice, which is I either do what I say I'm going to do, which is to suck money out of the money supply, raise interest rates from these artificially low levels and cause stock markets to crash, lots of businesses to go bankrupt and lay off a lot of employees or just lay off a lot of employees and shrink their operations to regain profitability. I either do all that or I chicken out and at the first sign of the stock market really going down and a lot of unemployment numbers shooting up, I just start inflating again. But then, of course, he hasn't solved the price inflation problem. So there's the rock in the hard place. Do you want 8.5% inflation into the foreseeable future or do you want a market crash and higher unemployment? And unfortunately, this is the world we live in where this all revolves around the whim of one man, which is not the way an economy is supposed to function. That's certainly not a free market. So we're never going to have a free market as long as this monetary system exists. But we got to play the cards that we're dealt right now. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the course of this month and next month if the Fed even sticks to its modest money supply shrinkage target for June and July and August, much less bump it up in September to almost $100 billion a month. As I said, I'm going to have a Tom Luongo later in the week. On Wednesday, I'll have Angela McArdle the new National Libertarian Party chair who just won in a landslide at the National Convention on Memorial Day weekend. The Mises Caucus actually swept, I think, every electable position in the party. So that's very interesting. We'll have her on to talk about what the Mises Caucus is all about, what they thought was wrong with the Libertarian Party, what they plan to change, and her plans for how to run the National Committee. So one more bit of housekeeping here, folks. My website is now moved over to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com. Shift is complete. I'm on my new web posting platform. So I'm going to have more written and video and audio content coming your way. It's also at my Patreon, which is at Patreon.com slash TomMullenTalksFreedom. Please consider supporting the show. There's several levels, and I suggest at least the middle level is where you will get additional commentary from me. If you're at the very first level, then you get transcripts of all the podcasts, and you're admitted to my special members-only MeWe group. At the second level, you'll get articles that I write that are only available to members, as well as some other additional content. And if you become a VIP, you have access to my online courses. The first one is now available. It's called Where Do Conservatives Come From? I'll be shortly releasing a second course called Where Do Liberals Come From? And a final course called Where Did the Founding Fathers Come From? 
These are all based on my 2015 book, Where Do Conservatives and Liberals Come From? And I'm going to be offering a lot more courses besides these three. But those are the first three. And you've got to be a Patreon member to get access to those now. Eventually, I'm going to be offering those for sale, whether you're a member or not. Of course, you'll always get them free if you're a VIP Patreon member for Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. So that's all for today. Again, Angela McArdle on Wednesday, and I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.